bring you worry, grief and pain Every cause you have for shame Lay it all down Lay it all down Welcome cares have buried you And there's nothing left to do Lay it all down Lay it all down At the feet of Jesus At the feet of Jesus Lay it all down, lay it all down
worthy of honor and glory, worthy of all of our praise. You overcame. Jesus, awesome in power forever, awesome and great is your name. Raising up the 
powerful name it is What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King What a powerful name it is Nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is
was in darkness all of my life Never knew the day from the night But spirit you moved in me I swore I knew the way on my own And full of rocks a heart made of stone But spirit you moved in me And at your touch my sleeping spirit was awakened on my dark heart the light of Christ has shone called into a kingdom that cannot be shaken heaven citizen by grace and grace alone and I'll stand in faith by grace and grace alone and I will run this race by grace and grace alone And I will slay my sin by grace and grace alone And I will reach the end by grace and grace alone I was an orphan lost at the fall Running away when I'd hear you call But Father, you worked your will I had no righteousness of my own I had no right to draw near your throne But Father, you love me still Yeah Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Crossbridge service this morning. I'm John, one of the members of the presiding team here at Crossbridge. And on behalf of the entire Crossbridge live stream team, we're so happy that you can join us this morning. I encourage you to come together now with your family and friends and let us prepare and quiet our hearts for worship. Our call to worship today is taken from Psalm 18.2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come together today. We pray for your presence to be with us and that you will take away any distractions that may hinder us from hearing your message this day. We ask this through your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Now let's turn our time over to our worship team as they lead us in worship today. Over to you, Bonan.
Good morning again, and welcome to the Crossbridge live stream. As you know, uh, we've been going through a sermon series called The Church Unleashed. And today, Minister Taylor will be preaching to us uh, about the second part of the gospel going out to the Gentiles. And so as we uh, prepare our hearts for worship, uh, I encourage you guys to gather with your family and friends, uh, and let's worship together. So the darkness flees, and I can be 
Now is the time for tithes and offerings. It's an opportunity where we as believers could give back a little bit of what God has already given us. In just a moment, you'll see a link appear on the screen uh, where you can give online. If this is your first time here or you're just a visitor, uh, welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you could join us, but please don't feel obligated to give. Uh, during offering time, we'll be singing a song uh, called Knowing You, and I encourage you guys uh, as we sing this song uh, to make that a declaration that knowing you uh, is the greatest thing. So let's sing along together.
Thank you, worship team, for leading us in wonderful worship this morning. Good morning again, everyone, and welcome to our worship service this morning. If you just joined us, we're so happy that you can join us today. I'm John, one of the members of the presiding team here at Crossbridge. And at this time in our service is a time of congregational prayer. Each week we pray for a missionary of the week. This week we'll be praying for Richard and Rachel Liu, who would who work with OMF, serving the working class people in Taiwan. We have a short video message that Richard and Rachel would like to share with us. Let's hear the video now. Hello, 大家好,我们是在台湾的内地会,目前在台北万华的万万福音中心服饰。等一下你会看到有几个万万福音中心的人,他们分享他们的代祷事项。請你來為他們禱告謝謝你們好我叫貴妃我在台灣我的工作是賣神樹雞的我想要請你們最近能夠幫我帶到一個事情就是我的先生因為從小他的名字一直都沒有很好所以他準備要去做那個鼻子的手
Father, we pray for Richard and Rachel Liu as they serve in OMF among the working class in Taiwan. Father, we want to praise you that some of their new mem church members are now leading their worship services. We pray for your wisdom and guidance to Richard and Rachel as they search for new ways to engage non-believers who attend their church activities. We pray that your Holy Spirit will touch the hearts of these non-believers to develop an interest to hearing the gospel message and responding to it. We pray that you will sustain Tony and his family to remain faithful to you as they move to an area with no Christian fellowship around them. Father, we ask and we want to pray for you, for several of their church members who are looking for work, that you will open the right job opportunity for them so they can be a witness for you in their workplaces. Father, as we look to our country, we see a country that is full of lawlessness and hatred. We mourn and cry out to you to send your Holy Spirit to be ever present and changing the hearts of your people. Father, your righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne and your love and faithfulness go before you. We pray that each day that you will strengthen us to be a shining light that brings brighter than any evil that may surround us so that your mighty name may be praised and glorified among your people. Lord, we lift our tithes and offerings to you as we give back a portion of your blessing to us. We pray that you will guide our church leaders on the ways to use these offerings in furthering your kingdom through the spreading of the gospel throughout this world. Father, we pray that you will speak through Minister Taylor as he preaches your message to us. Lord, we ask that you will open our minds and hearts to hear and accept the teaching to us. We thank you for this time of prayer, and we lift all these prayers to you through your son, Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Now we'll continue our service with, with the reading of our Acts Litany. This is a responsive reading. My wife, Nancy, will be joining us. I'll be reading the parts that say, Leader, please read responsively with Nancy where it says, response. Let's begin. After Jesus died and rose again, he started something new. It was called the church. To form this body of believers, he first gave them power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Then he gave them a message. Believe in the Lord Jesus, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and be baptized. Then he gave them a fellowship. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Then he confirmed the message with signs and wonders. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth rise up and walk. Then came persecution. They arrest the apostles, stone Stephen's. Stephen killed James with a sword, and there arose a great persecution. 
but the word of God is not bound, and the church continued to witness boldly in the name of Jesus. He has risen from the dead. Everyone who receives, everyone who believes, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let's read this all responsibly together. All, all of, of these things, things remain true for us because we are the church. He has given us power, a message, a fellowship, and signs and wonders. And if persecution comes, his word will not be bound. Thank you, Nancy. We'll now continue our time with scripture reading. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 11, 19 to 30. I'll be reading from the ESV Bible. I'll give you a few moments to find it on your devices. Acts chapter 11, 19 to 30. Please follow along as I read. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. There were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenistics, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with the steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Abacus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone, according to their, his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. May God bless the reading of his word. Today, we continue with our sermon series on the Church Unleashed. We have Minister Taylor preaching on the message to the Gentiles, part two. Let's turn our time over now to Minister Taylor as he shares from God's word. Over to you, Minister Taylor. Good morning, Crossbridge. I remember there was big news a few years ago, back in 2017, when Amazon announced plans to build a second headquarters. Amazon would call the project uh, Amazon HQ2, standing for Headquarters 2, and the project would bring about $5 billion to the city or state that the headquarters was built in, and about 50,000 jobs to the area. And so Amazon, whenever they decided to write up their plans in order to increase their profit margins, uh, basically uh, shared their plans to expand and build the second headquarters 
and asked cities to incentivize them, mostly through tax credits or other means, in order to incentivize Amazon to build HQ2 in their city. Well, about 200 cities throughout Canada, the U.S., and Mexico gave these sort of incentives, offered Amazon uh, these sorts of tax breaks and other incentives to build their HQ2 in the city in order to get the tax revenue, in order to bring the jobs and the tax revenue that would come from the jobs as well. Uh, after about a year into it, Amazon announced their list of uh, final 20 cities in order to, or the final 20 cities that they were considering to build HQ2 in, and basically asked them if they could do any better uh, in order to incentivize them uh, to come and build HQ2 in their city. Well, in the end, a few months after the, the final 20 was listed, at the end of 2018, just shy of two years from announcing the project, Amazon decided to build HQ2 and split it into two separate cities and build half of it in Queens and then the other half in Northern Virginia, just outside of the greater DC area. Moral of the story is that building a second headquarters is a pretty big deal. Uh, for Amazon, there was a lot at stake at, as the company was expanding and growing. They needed a, a second space, a second sort of center of operations. There was a lot at stake as far as the revenue that it would potentially bring to the area. And today we actually learned that the early church established something of a second headquarters when the church was built up in Antioch. Um, and so as we look to the text, let's, uh, let's come together and, and pray, and then uh, we'll get into it. So would you join me for prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word and ask that you would speak to us this morning, that you would help me as I preach your word to be a faithful uh, a faithful preacher of your text to communicate your, your word and your truth to us and help us all to, to learn from what you are trying to tell us this morning. Uh, we thank you again for this time and for the opportunity to worship together, at least in spirit, uh, virtually. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's sermon is actually kind of a build up or a continuation of some of the messages that we had in the past. If you recall now Pastor Jeff's sermon at our last in-person worship, he, he talked about how the gospel is for all people. The gospel is not for just any one person, but the gospel is for all people of all sorts of different racial, ethnic, cultural backgrounds. The, the gospel is not just for the Jews, but it is for all people. If you remember last week when Minister Cola preached over Peter and the centurion and the first example of the, the gospel coming to the Gentiles uh, with the centurion and his family and that the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were saved and how the Holy Spirit uses people in maybe unusual or unexpected ways to accomplish his purposes. And today it's kind of going to be a continuation of that as we see the gospel continue to expand into the Gentiles in the church of Antioch. Now, today we probably take for granted the fact that the gospel is for all people, that all people can come to the faith. But in the conclusion of last week and kind of as to set the tone for this week, we read in Acts chapter 11 verse 18, 
It says, when they heard these things, that is, the the Jewish believers heard these things of the the Gentiles coming to the faith and receiving the Holy Spirit. Uh, And when they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And so today, we learn that the gospel continues to be spread among the Gentiles as the focus of the early church moves from Jerusalem, which is kind of like the HQ2, to its now second headquarters in Antioch. And so let's look at the the passage together. And and there are three separate sections or three separate scenes, if you will, uh, to this passage. And the first comes in Acts 11, verses 19 and 21. It says, Now there were those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. Uh, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except for Jews. But there were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So Christians were spread out because of this persecution that arose over Stephen. Now that was a reference to a passage that we read a few weeks ago now back in in Acts chapter 8 where where Stephen was martyred. But there was more persecution that came. And so the church spread out from being just in Jerusalem to to spreading out in many different regions. So the gospel started in Jerusalem. That was kind of the, the central HQ1, the central center of operations. But because of this persecution, the believers were spread out to various different regions. And so we, we learn about some Jews who come to, to Antioch. Now, it says here in the passage that in general or at first, they, they spoke the word or spread the gospel to no one except for Jews. But there are these people who in Antioch now have started to spread the gospel to the Hellenists. Now that term Hellenist is actually a pretty flexible term and can refer to a few different things. So we've already seen that uh, that term used once uh, or at least a couple times before in Acts. And sometimes it can refer to simply Jews uh, who have a Hellenistic background or people who are ethnically Jewish but who are culturally more Greek. And so sometimes it can refer to that or just people in general who adapt a Greek culture. But here, because it's set as a clear contrast between speaking the gospel to no one to Jews, but then here at Antioch they spoke also to the Hellenists, uh, we know and, and most commentators note that this term Hellenist here actually means the Gentiles. And so, and coming to Antioch, these people spread the gospel there, and many of the uh, many of the Gentiles came to faith. Now, a couple other interesting things about Antioch is it was actually a pretty big and important city. It had a population of just over about a half a million, and it was one of the the biggest cities in the ancient Near East. Uh, it was the capital of Syria, and the only two cities really that were bigger. Uh, bigger than Antioch at the time were Rome and Alexandria. And so it was a very populous, very important city. Some of the other sorts of characteristics and significance about the city of Antioch is that they had a temple to uh, Artemis, to the goddess Artemis. And so there, there were also Jews who were in 
Antioch. It, it wasn't just Gentiles, but the vast majority of the population was was much more was much more Gentile, and they they start to come to the faith. And then we turn to scene number two, and that's in verses 22 through 26. So the word of what's happening here at Antioch reaches back to HQ1 in Jerusalem, and we read this. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came saw the grace of God and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people who were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For about a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So again, the, the, the message of what's happening in Antioch gets back to HQ1, and so they send Barnabas to see what's going on. Uh, they is a reference to, most likely to Peter and to the other apostles and to the you know, greater center of Christianity in HQ1 in Jerusalem. And so they, they send Barnabas to Antioch, and most likely they send him to Antioch to kind of validate the report of what happened, to investigate and to see if it's true and to see if these Gentiles are really coming to the faith. Maybe another secondary reason they may have had was to build up the church, as we see that Barnabas, uh, in fact, did. And so, again, as, as more people come to the faith, the, the Jerusalem church hears of it. They send Barnabas down to investigate, to see what happens, to validate it. Uh, and Barnabas, because of how many people were there and how the church was continuing to grow and to expand, goes and finds Paul in Tarsus, uh, Paul then Saul, and brings them there to continue in the work of building up the church. And it says, for a year they met with the church and taught, taught a great many people. And so more and more came to the faith, and Antioch is established as this HQ2, as a sort of second center of Christianity. Uh, we, we learn later on as well, uh, functioning as this HQ2, that Antioch and the church in Antioch is able to be the home sending church for Paul on many of his missionary uh, journeys. So that, that Antioch is kind of the, the launching place and uh, the supporting church for Paul to go uh, and, and to spread the gospel and to bring it even further into the Gentile world. And then the, the last thing that we see here in our, our second scene is this comment at the end. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, this shouldn't surprise us too much because, again, the, the first center of Christianity in Jerusalem, where, where the church was being built up, they were kind of under the umbrella of Judaism. They, they were kind of seen as Jews uh, or, or seen as a subgroup of Jews. And so they were definitely seen as different. They had a little bit of their own distinct identity, but definitely still not as something entirely different. They, they were still under the umbrella of uh, Judaism. But as the gospel went out and as it spread to Antioch, and again, Antioch being a more predominantly Gentile city, uh, uh, being a mixed culture, but more predominantly Gentile, the the church developed its own distinct kind of identity separate from Judaism, especially as the Gentiles are coming to faith, as the Gentiles are now a part of the church. 
And so there's this need for a new term. And so the disciples there were, were called Christians. Now, our last scene comes in Acts 11, verses 27 through 30. It says this, Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, every one of them, uh, according to their ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So famine arose as it somewhat frequently did in the, in the Near East, in the ancient Near East. And a, a reference here to the, the whole world, we shouldn't interpret that to mean the, the entire world, but more of a widespread famine across the land and across the area. Uh, we, we learned that the prophets came and foretold that this would happen. Uh, don't want to mention too much about the Office of Prophecy or, or what's going on, because it's more peripheral. Uh, or more secondary or peripheral to the, the main thing that's, that's going on here. Uh, but, but there is a famine that's going on or that, that will happen. And Judea, and particularly Jerusalem, is going to be hard hit by this famine. And so now the once young church in Antioch, but, but now more thriving, is able to send relief back to the church at Jerusalem in this difficult time. So what can we learn today from this text? What is God teaching us here at Crossbridge in light of this text? Well, I think there's definitely a lot of different things, a lot of different important things that we could point to for application, a lot of different points for, for us to learn. I think there's definitely the significance that the gospel is for all people. It's not just for Jews, but it's for all people of all different races, of every different ethnic background, of every different culture and language. So, so the gospel is for all people. And I think this is very important, uh, but I'm not going to talk about this a whole lot because uh, it was one of the main topics of what Pastor Jeff spoke about just a few weeks ago. I think we could probably also talk about the kind of significance of different missionary styles where we see some missionaries that will go completely to unreached people groups as maybe the, the first Christians did in light of their circumstances of coming to Antioch. But then we can also see the missionary style of Barnabas and Paul as they, they came to Antioch of a church that was kind of already established but very young and needing built up and seeing that both of those are important and both of those different missionary styles are biblical. Um, we could talk about the significance of how different churches relate to one another as far as, you know, with different strengths and whatever and, and how they can support one another. I think these things are all important and we could probably add on a few things to that list as far as things for us to learn. But I think here at Crossbridge and at CBCGB, I think one of the, the main takeaways that we can have from this passage is thinking about how we relate to one another, and particularly how we relate to one another as far as different groups within our church as being a pretty diverse church. See, the, the church in Jerusalem and the church in Antioch really needed each other. The church in Antioch was really young and seeing a ton of people come to the faith. 
And not only was it Jews who had at least some familiarity with the God of the Bible from the Old Testament, but now Gentiles who had no background knowledge at all of of who God is. And, And we see a ton of people coming to the faith. And so they needed someone. They needed Barnabas to come and to build the church up. And they needed Paul to come and build the church up and to train and to teach. And then later on, of course, Jerusalem needed Antioch. Uh, The famine came, hard times came, and Antioch was able to support Jerusalem and their need in that time of of famine. And so the the churches needed each other, and the churches provided for one another and helped one another out. However, the situations were not always rainbows and roses, so to speak. It wasn't always in complete harmony. The churches were not always supporting one another perfectly. I don't have a whole lot of time to to get into this, but if you look just a few chapters later in Acts chapter 15, we see that there is a big controversy between the church in Jerusalem, or at least a big group in the church of Jerusalem of the Jews, uh, with the church in Antioch. And there's the question of can these Gentiles who are coming to the faith, uh, can they be saved apart from circumcision and apart from uh, following the, the Jewish dietary laws and apart from the following the other laws. And, and so there's this big controversy, and in the end, eventually, uh, there's a letter that the Jerusalem church sends to Antioch, uh, basically validating and saying that the Gentiles do not need to follow the law. But still, that was a pretty big controversy. There's another instance of tension between Jerusalem and Antioch that we learn about actually in the book of Galatians. Uh, So Paul is talking about and and recounting a time when Peter, who was one of the main leaders, if not the main leader from Jerusalem, came and visited the church in Antioch. And so Paul is writing now in first person in, in Galatians 2 verses 11 through 14 says this. Says, but when Cephas, and Cephas is Peter, again, who's the main leader in the church of Jerusalem, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how do you force Gentiles to live like Jews? So when Peter comes and visits uh, the, the church at Antioch and visits the Gentile believers, he was eating with them. And there's a little bit more to that. It's not merely just associating or sharing a meal, but it was also that Peter was no longer following the Jewish kosher dietary laws. Uh, so uh, he was eating whatever the Gentiles ate. And then when the group that we learn of from James, again, the Jewish believers from Jerusalem, possibly even uh, the, the circumcision party or the Judaizers came, uh, Peter feared them. And so he no longer ate with the Gentiles, but began following the Jewish dietary laws again. And it says that the hypocrisy even reached to Barnabas uh, and even reached to the rest of the Jews. So it wasn't just the circumcision party, but it was also the other Jews who kind of followed 
in this hypocrisy. And the significance to this was that the message of by the, the Jewish believers following the dietary laws and following the way of the law, it communicated that salvation was no longer or was not just by faith in Christ alone, but that, that salvation was by obedience to the law. And so that's why Paul uh, addresses them and why it says that Paul publicly rebuked Peter for, for their sin. And of course, eventually Peter comes along, as we know of from from other places. But but nevertheless, that tension remained, and, and there was the tension that went back and forth. So, what does that have to do with us here at Crossbridge? Well, for some of you, as I was kind of explaining some of the history and some of the tension that existed there between Jerusalem and Antioch, maybe you have related with some of the tension that you have felt here at Crossbridge or here at CBCGB between the different groups. Being at Crossbridge for just over a year and being at a Chinese church for just over 10 years, I often see these tensions happening. Now, in our context, it's not tensions that happen between Jews and Gentiles, but often it's, it's tensions that happen between the older generation and the younger generation. I remember listening to a podcast not too long ago uh, talking about Korean churches and talking about Chinese churches. And there was a phenomenon that they were talking about that was called the mass exodus, or that they called the mass exodus, where it was that, that many of the second and third generations in immigrant churches, particularly Korean and Chinese churches, were leaving the church. And some of them were leaving the church and going to other churches, but it, in other instances, there were many people who were just leaving the church altogether. And they were talking about how this is very common because of the sort of tensions between multiple generations. The younger generation often shares their struggles with the older generation of saying, you know, why are you like this? You know, why don't you get it? Why can't you embrace this new idea and change and move? And then oftentimes you see the older generation that says to the younger generation, you know, why don't you get it? Why don't you respect and see the importance of our traditions? And so the, the tension uh, kind of continues on. But, but what can we learn from this passage in light of some of the tensions maybe that, that we face or at least that, that we are prone to face? Just a, a little while ago, a, a youth who was pretty astute, pretty, you know, well-thinking. She, she asked me the, the question, uh, you know, wh why is it necessary or, or what's the significance or, or why should second and third generation people stay in the Chinese church? And I hadn't quite thought about the question, at least not quite in those terms until after she had asked me that. And so I responded something uh, like this, and this is also what I would say, you know, in response to what we can learn between the Church of Jerusalem and Antioch and how they acted even though there, there was that tension. So, so what, is, what is the significance? What can we learn? I think one is that we can say that we need each other, that, that, that we need each other. And so just like the Church and Antioch needed Jerusalem to come and build and support and bridge their gap with some of their needs, and then later on, the church in Jerusalem needed the church in Antioch to, to come and accomplish and bridge and, and fill their needs. We need each other. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, you know, us as the younger generation, 
we're fully capable of going and taking care of ourselves. And to that, I would say, yes, that's true, but how much more can we accomplish together? How much more can we accomplish together? And what about unforeseen needs that may come up? You know, in, in the same way, Jerusalem didn't expect for the famine to come, but when it came, Antioch was able to still step in and support and to offer and to bridge the gap of their need. And so we need each other. There, we can accomplish more for the kingdom of God together than we ever could apart. Just think about how many more families we can reach that are, are families of multiple generations. And then the second thing that I said that, that we can learn and the second point of significance is that being in a Chinese church as a second or third generation or as a younger generation, we learn sanctification. Now, those of you who are married probably instantly know what I mean when I say that you learn sanctification. Whenever you work with someone with very important things who is different from you, you learn to grow. You learn compromise and you learn character development. The Holy Spirit can reveal in us and in our heart in the ways in which our heart needs to be conformed to be more like Christ. And so being in a diverse group, having to work with people who are different from us, helps us to grow, helps us to be more like Christ, reveals the things that are already there in our heart to work on. And so also you may be thinking to yourself, well, can't we just do that in a multi-ethnic church? And again, I would say, yes, most definitely that that's true. You can accomplish all these things uh, in a multi-ethnic church and the sanctification aspect and all these things. But then I would also point to the fact that God has sovereignly and in his plan called you, called me to be here at Crossbridge today. So then I would urge you to be a salt and a light in a place where God has called you to be. You may be thinking, you know, to yourself, who is this youth minister guy, you know, to, to come up and tell us all these things? Or even more so, who is this white guy to come and tell us how we should act and respond to one another in, in the Chinese church? And the irony on that is, is not lost to me. But as I say these things, I'm not saying them merely as my opinion of what I think is right. But I think that it is how God is challenging us through his providential circumstances of being in the church and how we are today and, and through his word. Uh, and, and through the, the circumstances of the church in Jerusalem and the church in Antioch. And so as I say these things also, not only am I saying them to you, but also I'm saying them to me. I think God is challenging me in the same ways uh, to, to know that we need one another and to work together and try to accomplish more uh, together. And I think these things are also very important as we consider our building expansion plan. Uh, you know, how much more can we accomplish together in the building expansion plan than we ever could alone or separated? And now the building expansion, the new building that we're going to be building is not just a building for the sake of building a building, but it is for the sake of spreading the gospel. 
It's for the sake of spreading the gospel to the greater community as we will have the opportunity to have things like sports ministry and different things that require uh, this sort of venue and, and space in order to grow. And so the, this, this multi-purpose building, this building project, is really an instrument to spread the gospel to our community. But it needs to be a joint effort. We need to work at it together. And so as we conclude today, uh, you know, we need each other. Let's work together and let's think about the needs of not only our group, but also to think about the needs of the diverse group within the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the church in Jerusalem. We thank you for establishing uh, this HQ2 church in Antioch and for spreading the gospel and to making your gospel for all people. Help us, Lord, to be your church to support and to love one another uh, well and to be your salt and light here in Lexington and the greater Boston area and in the world. To your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Declare
God, we do give praise to you for you are able, for you never fail, for your plan will never fail. We pray that we as a church would continue to believe in you and to be part of that, to, to participate in that. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all evermore. Thank you, Minister Taylor, for your message of unity in our church body. And as the song we sang, let us be one voice to glorify our God. Thank you to our worship team for leading us in worship today. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to our Crossbridge live stream service. We're so glad that you joined us for the worship service this morning. If this is your first time joining us today on our Crossbridge service, welcome. Members of our welcome team, would love to meet you virtually over Zoom or get you connected and share more information about our church. You can go to the Get Connected tab on our website and fill out the Google form so our welcome team can follow up with you virtually. The link to that form is also listed on the Order of Worship page for this service. Be sure to check out our full list of announcements. on the live stream email that you received on our website. Uh-oh. Hey, did you lose me? person worship service following the CD guidelines next next Sunday, May 9th. The, the limit has been increased to 50 people. Please use the invite link in the email that was, was sent out to you to reserve your spot. Also, we will be taking the elements together next Sunday. Check out the live stream email for further details. and instructions for those of you who will be joining us on Zoom call. We are having our VBS online this year for pre-K to 5K fifth grade children. It will be held on June 28th to July 2nd, Monday to Friday from 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. For information, and registration, please use the link in the email that was sent out.
Before we end our service today, if there are any of you who would like to receive prayer or pray with someone, you can submit a prayer request online. Members, members of our prayer team are available to pray with you or for you after service or later in the week. Just indicate what you prefer in the Google form link that is on the order of worship page or on the CB live stream email that was sent out. We'll leave our chat room on for a while longer so that you can continue to fellowship. Continue to fellowship with one another virtually. Also, we encourage you to join the virtual Zoom lobby to fellowship post-service. You can catch up with other brothers and sisters over lunch. And if you are a visitor, please drop by and we would love to meet you in the virtual lobby. That Zoom link is also listed on the Order of Worship page or CB live stream email that was sent out. I apologize that I lost my video. Um, I hope all of you are okay with that. Um, and finally, on behalf of the entire live stream team, we are so glad that you are able to join us for worship this morning. We look forward to having you worshiping with us again next Sunday. Please enjoy the rest of your day and hope you all have a wonderful and blessed week. God bless you all.
He will never leave us. He will never leave us. God is for us. He has open arms. He will never fail us. He will never fail us. Lifted up, defeated the grave, raised to life. Our God is able in His name. We overcome for the Lord. Our God is able. Lifted up, He defeated the grave. Raised to life, our God is able in His name. We overcome for the Lord. Our God is able for the Lord. Our God is able for the Lord. 